Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hey everyone, it's Heal Squad with Maria Menounos and, uh, well, no, not Maria Menounos. I'm Mr. Maria Menounos, sitting in for my uh, beautiful, lovely, talented wife. Super happy to be here. As always, joined by uh, my producer and partner, Kelsey Alexander Meyer. Giving hey, her hey. Soft, soft smile peace <laughs> sign as his signature with the kids. So Thank good. Thank you. You're Kelsey, w- can we start the interview off with your blue tongue? Ah, uh-huh. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not from a Jolly Rancher. It is actually for health reasons, okay? And you know what? And when I do it, I'm in the same boat. I just tell people I just had a Slurpee. I, oh, that's better. I like I had a that. blue blue raspberry Slurpee. Yeah. My friends are always like, why is your... And I'm like, yeah, it's candy for sure. I like the Slurpee though. Well, we're going to no. start on today's show with... A, it's actually not a quote. It's more of a paraphrasing. Mm, I like that. From our upcoming guest, scientist Greg Braden. But I really like this because um, I think this will help a lot of people with their lives if they actually take the time to apply it. Find something to be happy about every day and every hour if possible, moment to moment, even if only for a few minutes, and watch your health, even your life improve. So Mm. how about that? I like that. Right? Kelsey, uh, this is going to be a very... uh, you get, um, there's a lot of thinking that has to take place in this interview. Sometimes, um, yeah, I like these after the fact. It's like working out. Some mm. told me about working out. Do you ever regret after the fact working out? Never. Never, right? But Never. going into it, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. So some of our guests, you know, it's a pretty easy conversation. But this is a scientist. This is stuff that uh, is a little bit out there. Yeah. But you definitely feel a lot better after having a conversation of this kind. Yeah. And I will say 
we split it into two for that reason. Cause sometimes I feel like you need a brain break. You know, it's like, once you listen for so long, like I get super hyped about it and I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And then it's like, Oh my God, now I'm right. overwhelmed and I need a brain break. You need, you need a brain break. I yeah. like that. You know what? Yeah. Amen to that. Um, okay. So with that, Kelsey, let's get started. Kelsey, why don't you tell us a little bit about our scientist friend, Renaissance man, Greg Braden. Greg Braden. Greg Braden is a five-time New York Times bestselling author. He's a scientist and educator and pioneer in the emerging paradigm bridging science, social policy, human potential, and spirituality. Braden has hypothesized that the change in the Earth's magnetic field might have effects on human DNA. He also believes that human emotion affect DNA and that collective prayer may have healing physical effects. He is a firm believer of the new human story and how the discoveries inform the policies of everyday life and the emerging world. Wow. Damn, a lot to unpack there, which we try our very best to do in these uh, next two episodes. So with that, let's turn you over to our, our part one of our interview with Greg Braden, and uh, we'll come out with a little bit of a follow-up when you're on the go 24 7 like me guys finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at macy's do for me from working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials it's been my go-to for so many years and having everything in one place is such a time saver for me with being a first-time mom for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days 
days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Waze seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz-free, up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I just have to say, because when I was doing research on you, I couldn't believe your age, which I don't want to say, or you could say or whatever, but I'm blown away by your age. And I would love to know some of your secrets to to um, <laughs> your your aging process. No, I mean it. I think the things that you go over have to be very much connected to how you're aging. Well, <laughs> thank you. So I, I didn't, uh, this is completely unscripted. I had no idea what we're going to talk about today. And thank you. Thank you for your kind words. It's been, a t actually, it's been a tough few weeks and it's good to hear oh, that. So, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. So, you know, the, um, what the science tells us, Kevin, very clearly is that Every organ in the human body has the ability to repair itself, but it goes beyond that. It, it, every organ has the ability to stop the damage that's occurring, number one. Number two, to repair the damage that's already been incurred. And number three, uh, to actually regenerate and, and heal. And longevity comes into this. Uh, and I've studied longevity most of my life through indigenous cultures, indigenous communities, uh, people that are are living, you know, 115, 120, 132 years of, of age. And it's not so much about the longevity itself. If you are living that long, it means you're healing along the way. So what we're really talking about is is a deep state of healing. A deep we, state so we're of always healing. healing. We have to be. We that's, have to see, be. That's healing. really great to hear because we live in this, I think we live in this mentality of like something's broke, I gotta fix it. And then it's yeah. fixed and then it's paradise. But I think that's a lot easier to process to even to hear that, that we're always healing. Yeah, we are, Kevin. So you you ask a question that is rarely asked. I had no idea we were going to talk about this today. And I, I'll be, Neither I was be very, I, but I just looked at you. No, no, this, this is cool. It's totally cool. I'm going to be very honest. I'll share something I don't, don't share a lot. My uh, When I was five years old, um, my body suffered an electrocution that... Uh, can kill some people, and especially if you're, you know, in a five-year-old body. Obviously, it didn't kill me. Uh, and when I healed, one of the things that resulted from that healing is my body functions a little bit differently than uh, than maybe a, a typical person of my age would function. And uh, it took a, a few years to figure that out. One of the byproducts of that uh, electrical jolt is that my body has a tremendous sensitivity to uh, anything that I ingest. So for example, I learned early on that I couldn't tolerate typical dosages of an antibiotic, you know, when I was a kid, for example, mm -hmm. uh, or, or even as an adult, um, any, any kind of pharmaceutical, whatever it is, I, uh, I use what the doctors call in the rare events that I do, do use something that I need something. They call it a homeopathic dose <laughs> because it's such a reduced dose that my body just doesn't doesn't tolerate those. And, uh, and so what the studies are showing is it also affects aging and longevity and, and healing 
uh, in a positive way, the way that the, the DNA is repairing itself. So, so I have that, um, on the, study, the studies are showing that the electrocution does or the lack of antibiotics. Well, if, uh, high, the, the electrical high doses of, of electric, if you survive the high dose of electrical activity, one of the, the byproducts is that it can change the way the body functions. I'm certainly not recommending this. Don't try this at home on your mm -hmm. own. Don't do it while you're driving or operating yeah. heavy machinery. You know, it's, it was, uh, it was a very difficult experience for me at that time. And there's a whole story behind how it happened, but, uh, you're asking. And so I, that has helped me through my life. It's and not, may I offer thing. a regular guy theory? Sure. Regular guy, you know, is, and I see this with Maria's father, who's a type one diabetic of now 60 years. And yet there's no loss of his limbs, no loss of sensitivity in his digits. Yeah. His vision is perfect. And he works 14 or 15 hours of physical labor still every day uh, at almost 80 years old. Wow. The reason that I, that I see, and by the way, he's from one of those cultures where um, in the mountains of Greece, people live to 100, 110 and I've been told from people in that village until Chernobyl happened, you know, um, that's when some of the people there were starting to get cancer and, and die in their 70s and 80s. But until then, he would tell me when he goes back to the village, the guys that he saw that were old men when he was a kid, some of them are still there, which is crazy. But but, yeah. but why I think for you and for him has a factored in is, you know, 60 years ago, all they knew about diabetes was listen, um, you're really not going to want to eat a lot of sugar. And, you know, a lot of these bad carbs turn to sugar. And he's a very disciplined guy. So he was like, okay, I'm out. And so pretty much for 60 years, this guy has existed on meats and greens and very, very little uh, of the bad carbs, only as much as needed. And I think with you, because your body was sensitive and now couldn't have this kind of medicine or this kind of food, yeah. And this, but, but I will say what I offer to a lot of people is I know a family recently that one of the members of the family was diagnosed with, di with type one diabetes. It was one of the kids. I remember saying like, this could be a gift for you. Your the whole family's in terrible shape, by the way, they're, they eat terribly. They're over, they're stressed. They're exhausted. I'm like, this could, this could actually be your gift. And so what I see with Maria's dad is all his friends who you know, they're wobbling around, they're on canes, they get, it, you know, I see where this has been a gift. And so sometimes when we get these conditions, we, you know, they actually give gifts to us where we can address them, kind of change our lifestyles. So I'm just saying regular guy theory is that's probably what has factored in a little bit with you. And again, with some of your teachings and philosophies, I know have to well, be factoring in and we'll get into those. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, thank you for that, Kevin. You know, I've, um, this is the 40th year I've done this work in one form or another. I have been blessed to live a window of time when, and there are little windows of time when the opportunities for travel uh, into remote parts of the world to explore ancient civilizations, indigenous cultures, indigenous traditions, when those windows were more available than they are today. And so I've spent a lot of time with, uh, I was leading groups into the highlands of central China and Tibet, uh, we would tour uh, 12 monasteries and two nunneries over 26 days and then into Nepal and India and certainly through the Yucatan, working with the shamans, the Curandaros and uh, in the, the Andes of southern Peru and over into Bolivia, all through the American desert southwest 
Aboriginals in Australia, certainly the, the Bedouin uh, in Egypt. And so, you know, so what's and, the with all of them? What's the through line? Well, this that, is. Do you think that's kept them being able to live long life? Well, this is this is what I want to say. The things I've learned from them uh, that fit. I have done my best to incorporate in my into my life. I'm very disciplined. I have a very disciplined lifestyle. I have to so I can accomplish all the things, so I can keep all my promises, all the promises I've made for you know for media and content and publishers and and things like that. So uh, there are through lines, and one of those through lines is that um, is our relationship to the human heart. Uh, you know, in medical science, we've been taught when I was in school back in the 50s and, and 60s, you know, I was taught the heart is pumps blood in the body. Of course, we all know it does that, but you can build a machine to do that. Now, what we're finding is that may be the least of, of what our heart does. There are so many other functions. A neural network uh, was discovered in, in the human heart in 1991. It was published in 94 in the, the journal Neurocardiology. This is a mind blower because the, the the neural network it's like it's like brain cells, but they're not in the brain; they're in the heart, and they think, they feel, they remember independently of the cranial brain. And this has tremendous implications when it comes to healing the trauma that we will all have in our lives. Every one of us have experienced some form of trauma, and that the way we interpret trauma is determined by our life filter, our life experience. You know, you and I as, as two men, we could go and, and have the same experience and, you know, we could watch a, a war movie, for example, and you might not be phased by what you're seeing. And I might end up in tears and devastated because of my, my history, my background. I'm, I'm the product of a very dysfunctional, abusive, alcoholic family. Um, my father, father was the abuser. I have my mom and my younger brother, and I got the bad end of that. And so I'm, I'm a student of understanding what that means. I'm still working with it. Uh, I've had to all my life. And so it, it, uh, I interpret those kinds of scenes differently maybe than another man like you would. So our traumas are, are unique to us. We have personalized traumas. But the way we interpret those in our mind in our society, we've been taught to, to deal with them through the way we think about our traumas. And what the indigenous cultures have all shown me is that that's a part of the picture. It's incomplete, however, if we stop there, because there is a large component of our trauma that is held in the second neural network. It's held in the thoughts and the feelings and the memories that we have in, in the heart. And once we begin to address those, uh, the heart is the the master organ in the body. When I was in school, I was taught the brain's a master organ. Brain's definitely important. But the brain receives the instructions that tell it what to do. What chemistry goes into the body from the brain is determined by the way the, the, the signal the heart sends to the brain. That's the, the product of how we feel, our perceptions about life. Do we feel safe? Do we feel threatened? Do we feel at peace? Uh, or are we uh, in struggle, in constant conflict? And, you know, they're all, it's a spectrum. And they're all I mean, it makes sense when you have heartache and, you know, if you, you have, and you actually feel that pain in your chest, but it's not pain of a heart attack. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a grief kind of pain. But that you know, would I, explain that. I will tell you, well, I see this is a completely unscripted. I had no idea we were going here. And I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation. I, I had a personal experience of that, that just kicked my ass. 
uh, during COVID. I lost my mom to COVID. And in 21, thank you. And uh, I, I wasn't really, you know, as a man in my mind, I thought I was prepared for that. But there was a part of me that wasn't ready. Uh, and I don't know that you ever get ready. It's not it's nothing you get good at because you don't get much practice. You you get to lose your mom once and that's it. And uh, and what I found was, you know, logically I could make sense of, of all of it. But there was an emotional component uh, in grief. And I actually ended up in the ER um, because of, of chest paintings. And I was perfectly healthy. Everything was fine. No problems, no worries. And the doctor came in and she said, what's going on in your life? As a female physician. Uh, uh, and evolved, I, and I, evolved I, Western I, medicine there. Yep. And I started to say the words that I just lost my mom and I couldn't even get those words out of my mouth. And she said, this is really interesting. She said, the unresolved grief, the non-physical component of unresolved grief is actually causing uh, muscle spasms in the chest. It's not in your heart. She said, your heart's fine. The sinus rhythm, everything's good. There's no cardiac event. But she said that you're dealing with unresolved grief. And that's how powerful that unresolved grief can be. It was actually spasming muscles in the chest surrounding the heart, but not not in the heart itself. And how many times do we hear of you know, someone dies, and then a few days later, the 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 the, the husband, the wife, the partner, the child, dies soon after. No. Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds. You know, a couple of days apart. Like how many times? So it's, you know, there's a connection, and it's a couple of things I want to go into that you had mentioned in some of your other interviews. Twofold. One is about the traumas. You you were saying how childhood trauma um, can't always be solved through talk therapy. So yeah. we we know that it. It I get what what you're saying, and how it affects our brains and our hearts, and how it's going to affect everyone differently. But and I'm all for talk therapy. I think you're halfway there to understand. When you understand what's wrong with you, you're halfway there. But you're only halfway there. What are some of the other things you would recommend beyond talk therapy to deal to to, to help manage the traumas? Sure. Well, if we are laying the foundation for the answer to that question in this conversation. Because what the talk therapy typically does, and everyone's different, and everyone works differently, and that's why there's so many different modalities of of healing, because what works for one may not work for another and vice versa. When we begin to understand that every every experience we have in our bodies, I'm going to do this from a a scientific perspective. Okay. Every emotion that we experience produces a chemical in our bodies, a chemical equivalent of the emotion. So we literally have love chemistry, chemistry, fear, chemistry, anger, chemistry, all of that. The the technical term is a neuropeptide is, is what this chemical is. So typically those chemicals pass right through the body. They metabolize and they come out in tears, for example. Or if you know, if you're having a, a, a big conversation, a, a difficult conversation with a, a life partner, for example, uh, or in a business relationship, and, and you have a lot of emotion and you start uh, tasting like metal, that metallic taste in your mouth, those are neuropeptides coming out through the saliva. They're excreted through the urine, through the feces, through perspiration. The job of a neuropeptide, it wants to metabolize and leave the body. Usually it can, unless the emotion uh, is a trauma that's not resolved, it's not reconciled. And, and what that means is that we, 
the things that hurt us, rather than relaxing and letting the experience happen, we will try to intervene and uh, make it stop or make it go away. We contract. And when we contract emotionally, those neuropeptides are stuck in the body. And they are typically stuck, they are attached to the organs that we associate with the trauma. And there's a whole study uh, of how different emotions and different organs of the body are related. So, for example, the uptick, there was a study that was done a few years ago, the uptick in breast cancers in women and uterine cancers, uh, and what was happening in the women's lives that were experiencing those things. And there was a really high correlation between their inability to nurture in their lives and the organs that allow them to express nurturing showing disease. So this is very controversial in the scientific community. A lot of biologists don't like to think this way, but the, the correlations are so high, I think we, we have to give it consideration. So, so that, that is an example. Um, and so when, how do we get that? How do we, how well, do this we, is, you this get is it out to a guard. Yeah. When, when, when we have unresolved trauma, these neuropeptides, they will, our, our bodies are so smart. They'll say, okay, at five years old, for example, you may not have the tools you need to process the trauma from an abusive, you know, uh, alcoholic family. Right. So, so what the neuropeptides will do is your body will say, I'm, I'm going to store these for you until you have what you need to process them. And it can be, it can be 10 minutes. It can be 50 years. The body doesn't, doesn't know about that kind of time about our, our clock time. So, these unresolved neuropeptides will often linger in our bodies for long periods of time. And if we don't resolve them, they will light up in different ways. It might become first a, a, just a, a general inflammation. It's just kind of bothersome. And then if we don't recognize that, it can progress into uh, you know, swelling. It can progress into what we call disease. And the, the shift in thinking, that I learned from the indigenous, all the indigenous cultures that I work with, they always said the body was never broken. They said your body rarely, rarely is the body broken. What our bodies are doing is they are showing us how they respond in the particular environment that we've given it. The emotional environment, the chemical environment, the nutritional environment, whatever it is that we're in, this is our, how we are in the presence of that environment. So when we want to be something different, we change that environment. We change the diet. We change the exercise. We change the nutrition. Perhaps the most important is the emotional component. And this is the hard one, Kevin. It really is. Because our society, you know, we've just gone through as a society, we've gone through a trauma that is unparalleled in recorded civilization, 5,000 years, where almost a whole world was locked down. Uh, and the implications of that lockdown and the mental health issues of that lockdown, we're only beginning to understand the, the levels of stress, the implications of the stress. We have discovered that community is more important than we ever understood as the general public, than we understood in the past. And people who are isolated and separated uh, began with dealing with anxiety, panic, depression, higher rates of suicide of young people, of older people. We need community. 
As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. We need to, to feel those things. So as a society, we have never allowed ourselves to grieve the loss and to mourn the loss that we've all experienced of the world that no longer exists. We all lost something. And if we did not lose a loved one, God forbid any of our viewers lost a loved one, that even if they didn't, we all lost a way of life. We have all lost freedoms. We've all lost something. And society, we just march on. And more than ever, right? Yeah, well, my my generation back in the 50s, 60s, I grew up in a a rural community in in, uh, the Midwest, northern Missouri. The the idea of resilience was suck it up and get over it. Yes. You know, if, if you're having a tough day, man, suck it up and get over it. That was it. We, yep. Well, we've kind of done that as a nation. We've never taken the time. And it doesn't have to be a big emotional outpouring. It's just the acknowledgement that, yeah, our world changed and there are things that we miss and they're gone and we cannot go back to those things. And we've never really acknowledged that. So that that creates trauma. That is a form of trauma in the body. And it's a form of stress because so many people, we are clinging to an idea and we're clinging to the pictures and we're clinging to the ways of life pre-lockdown, pre-2020. And there's a new world in front of us right now. And we are being told this is kind of like the temporary world, a speed bump in the road of life until we can get back to you know, what used to be there, but you can't go back to a world that no longer exists. So this is on a, a collective, a social level. This is happening now, but it's happening to us as individuals as well in our families. And, and I think one of the most powerful things you asked the question, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is to begin with yourself and just acknowledge that the world has changed and there are things that you miss and maybe write them down. Some people are, are very kinesthetic that way. They, they write down. You know, for me, so born in a rural community in northern Missouri, I have worn boots since the time I, I've worn shoes. And I, I have a closet full of boots. I, I never throw them away. And, and I love boots. I, <laughs> well, these I'm are, right with you. <laughs> well, these are cowboy boots, most of them. And, uh, and so work, there's, a, work yeah, boots, there's, but there's a whole culture. But I've always had little mom and pop shops, you know, leather workers. And if I was walking down the street and I lost a heel on my boot, I could pop in and they could, they'd say, you know, 10 minutes, we got a new heel on your boot for you. And those mom and pop shops, maybe that's a silly example. But no, it's, no, no, but it, it's it, gone. It's the milkman is gone. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's a personal example. I miss, and because we became friends, 
I'd go in and yeah, they'd fix my boots, but I'd say, you know, how are the kids? And, you know, yeah. how are you guys doing? And how's business? And that is gone. And it's not just for my boots. It's for many, many things in our lives. So I think we begin by acknowledging that our world has changed and maybe identify what that is. How do you feel about it? I miss, I miss those things. And sometimes there's a little tear in your eye, you know, that comes when you, when you really get to this because you're moving out of your mind and you're beginning to access what's happening in those neuropeptides in, in the heart. Uh, a lot of therapists now are, are really opening their practices to include the neuro, neuro networks, uh, neural networks in, in the heart uh, and understanding that the heart has a completely different language, uh, often nonverbal. When you say therapist, psychotherapist, psychologist, yeah, yeah, psychiatrist, tr tr yeah, tr traditional therapy have found you know traditional therapy, talk therapy. I think it's it's great, and many people will say, yeah, it helped some, but there's something missing. There's something incomplete. Yeah. I'm still dealing with, uh, you know, with the grief. I personally experienced that. Uh, I I had to go. I went to a, a grief counselor uh, when I lost my mom, and you know, we did the talk things. And it was, you know, that was good because that helps to understand logically why my mom is no longer in this world. Uh, but then the emotions of, of what that means. Yeah, she's still gone. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really very, very primal. It's very permanent. And, um, and so to effectively deal with that, you've got to deal with the neural network that thinks, feels, and remembers independently of the brain independently of the memories in, uh, of the brain. And, uh, and so this is one of the places where my work, I'm just going to back up about a half a step. I did an interview not long ago, and the interviewer said, Mr. Braden, why can't you stay with one topic like everybody else? He said, man, you're all over the map. Well, said, I can know, answer I, that because look at your diverse resume. <laughs> well, he's a musician, biologist. I mean, like you've done so many things. So obviously you're going to be all over the place, but go continue. Well, well, what he, he's saying, he says, you know, are you talking about the magnetics of the planet? Are you talking about cosmology, ancient civilizations, human biology, human potential? He said, just, just stick with one topic. And I was surprised when it was an early morning talk show in commuter traffic in, in New York. It was, it was a brief program. And I was surprised. And I said, well, I said, yes, we cover a lot of ground. But if you look closely, every one of those topics is one facet of the it's human experience. Yeah. So in a very real sense, I have stayed with one topic. It's just uh, it's us. And it's a big topic. And he said, OK, well, I'm going to take a station break. And he never came back. That was the end. <laughs> it was a very short interview. It was the end of, uh, end, uh, end of that particular yeah. one. So Local, that's TV for you today. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. So that's why we love this format because we can unfold this stuff. You know, can we talk about, because again, now you just got me so sure. excited with the five different things you just dropped in terms of your background and all things <laughs> I do want to talk about. One of them is the nature of fractal time and how you discussed that um, we have choice points in our lives Yeah, with these things happen like the pandemic. And I want you to talk to me a little bit about that. And what I found really fascinating was that you were saying how our, we can look at the mistakes our ancestors made our, and the fact that we can use that to, to uh, affect our own decisions today and almost reset sure. things sure. to the better. And I need to know how. So uh, uh, to answer that, let me take about a half step back. I, I'm a scientist. Uh, and I began thinking like a scientist at, at an early, uh, very early age. I always knew I knew I wanted to either 
be a musician or a scientist or possibly both. And I've, and I've tried, tried both. Uh, and there's a whole story behind that. But the, from a scientific perspective, it was important for me to understand my world. I'm a systems thinker. I like to look at the big picture, the all-encompassing global picture of what's happening. And then I like to zero in on the nano instant of my life to see where I fit in that big picture and how the choices and the decisions I make are either aligned with that big picture or maybe fighting against that big picture. So, so as a scientist, I began looking at at our world, at the cycles. Geo I'm a geologist by degree uh, with a strong background in life sciences, bio marine biology, uh, physics, math, computer science. And, and I say that because all of those help me to stay current in the new discoveries that are telling us about our world and who we are in, in the world today. So when I began looking at the big picture, nature works in cycles. And, and in our world today, we typically don't think about cycles. We think about the present moment and maybe six months down the road. We're not thinking of big cycles. And what became apparent to me very, very early on is that uh, life is cyclic. Nature is cyclic. And time is cyclic as well. And uh, as I began to understand these cycles, and the cycles repeat, and they are knowable, and they are predictable. So whether you're talking about cycles of climate or cycles of economy, cycles of human conflict, which we're in right now, uh, or cycles of time. So when it comes to, to human experience, what the, the biology shows, this is really in the physics, is that when we have an emotional experience, we set into motion a pattern of energy that will repeat on a systematic basis the characteristics of that particular emotion. So uh, some of the examples I give is uh, when, when I was a kid and my father left when I was 10 years old and, and it was a, a time of rejoicing in our family. On the one hand, the other hand, we suddenly economically, we were less, we were more than broke. We were in government subsidized housing, just really, really difficult circumstances. And I, I lied about my age and went to work in a factory, in a, a copper factory. Uh, when I was in high school, I would go after work and it was a union job. And uh, I worked four, from 4 p.m., 4 in the afternoon to 4 a.m. They were 12 hour union shifts. And the first paycheck that I got back in those days, they used to come to the time clock and they would hand you a physical paper check. And the first check I got, the, the foreman looked at me, looked right in the eyes and he said, these are a man's wages for a man's work. And he said that to me and as a kid, those kinds of things meant a lot because it meant I could go home and contribute to my family in, in a meaningful way. But it instilled in me an emotional anchor uh, of a work ethic that remains with me to, to this day. And uh, even if you see any emails from me, you will see there was a, a poet at the beginning of the 20th century, his name was Khalil Gibran, and wrote a book called The Prophet. That was a, a pivotal book for me. I, I read it, my father left, my mother gave me this book. She says, I think this is gonna help you. And there was one passage in there where Khalil Gibran said, work is love made visible. Work is love made visible. And that was very different from the way that the people in the factory thought about work. Most of them didn't like their work. They wanted the money. 
Uh, and for me, once I began to think, that changed the way I think. And once I began to think, work is love made visible. This is my love for myself in the world. And then I would begin to explore ways that my work could actually benefit me. So I was lifting 50-pound bags of, uh, of PVC, putting them on the pallets, and I figured out if I lifted it just right, man, I could get a really good quad workout and then I could get an upper chest workout. So here I am getting paid in a factory without going to the gym. And man, I'm doing this awesome workout, you know, and and just little shifts like that changed for me the way that I was thinking. So so that paycheck instilled in me this sense of value and worth that set into motion. And I, I wrote a book about this called Fractal Time. And there is a, a fractal time calculator where you can take your age or you can take the year that you have a pivotal emotional experience and you can actually calculate when the conditions of that cycle will repeat in your life again and again and again. When I began uh, writing the book, I used this example. And what I found was that pivotal moment of receiving that paycheck, it was exactly a fractal pattern of that. When I... Uh, was accepted into the schools. I, I applied. I was accepted into 11 different schools. And I, I chose Colorado State University was the one that I went to. And my first uh, my first job uh, with using a scientific degree, my first self-publishing, my first corporate publishing, all of those reflected that sense of value and worth. And they all happened at fractal intervals of that. So that was a choice point now that can be good. That was a positive so, choice point, but there can be negative choice points that so are affected this, by fractal time as well. Pr right? Precisely. So what okay. fractal time is all about, a fractal is a, um, I think, fractal patterns. Uh, many people are familiar with them. They may not know the term, but I'll just give a quick example. If you look at an atom, you've got electrons moving around the nucleus and you look at the solar system, you've got planets moving around the sun and you look at the galaxy and you've got solar systems moving around uh, a central, a central you know, source of energy. It's exactly the same pattern on different scales. So we say that the solar system is a fractal pattern of the atom or a galaxy is a fractal pattern in the solar system. So that principle plays out in our personal lives as well. It plays out in good relationships, bad relationships, love, hate, betrayal of trust, loss, all of those things, when we have a, a powerful emotional experience that will set into motion the energy of how we feel, our sense, our response to that. So our, uh, our sense of, of if we are betrayed in life, this would be one that you were asking about negative then how we respond to that sense of betrayal, that will repeat, the conditions will repeat on a, a regular basis. Each time they repeat, if we know that they're repeating, it's an opportunity to make a new choice so that we can change what that next pattern is going to be like. So, if we we don't can't, make, so we can't change those patterns. Well, we can change it at any time. I'm going to be clear about that. But there are, are times when the deck is stacked in our favor and they're called choice points. We all know that at the beginning, well, when one cycle ends and a new cycle begins, there's always a place in between where neither exists. You inhale a breath and before you exhale, there's a space where there is, you're, you're doing neither one. 
uh, at the beginning of the day. There's a, a time where the sky is light, but the sun's not up. So it's not daytime, but it's it's still not nighttime either. And the a- ancients, our ancestors, called this time the crack between the worlds. They acknowledged this time of no time. So I'm just giving a couple of examples. So the same thing happens in emotional patterns. There's a place where those patterns are very, very pronounced, very defined. And when when we know what those cycles are, there's a place where one cycle ends, but the next one has yet to begun. And that's a choice point. And that's where we stack the deck. It's easier to make new choices, but you can make those choices in any, any time in your life. So if, if you're making, if you've got good things happening, you know, there's, there's no reason to really change anything, but if you've got patterns uh, of betrayal or loss of trust um, patterns of, um, where it looks like things are just not going well for you, you can look at at these fractal patterns. Uh, I didn't know we were going to have this conversation, so I, I would have brought some things here. But no, no, it's okay because we're well, going to write down your book, and I'm certainly going to well, pick it up because I've heard that from a therapist too. About when you have a trauma, there's a she had a certain formula which is probably similar to yours, where I think it was 11 years or 21 years later that it would resurface in some way, shape or form. Well, this is true for nations in war. Uh, We shared this with the United Nations in a talk we did at the UN. I was with a dear colleague, Dr. Bruce Lipton, I think you've interviewed with in Mm -hmm. in the past. Yeah. And uh, it works between nations. It's all about energy. It's just energy. Once a pattern of energy is set into motion, that pattern will continue until something changes that pattern. It will continue in cycles that are knowable, predictable and that you can calculate. So the book Fractal Time describes this with examples, a lot of examples. On my website, we have a fractal time calculator with just basic instructions. You can plug in your age when um, the first time you experienced deep betrayal in your life. Someone lied to you. Maybe it was a parent, you know, or maybe it was your first love that uh, that betrayed you. And it we plug those numbers in either the age or the year that it happened. And you will see the next age where that pattern, the pattern, the conditions of the pattern have a tendency to show up. It doesn't mean it has to happen. It means the conditions are ripe for it to happen again. And that's an opportunity to say, ah, first you can go back and look at the old patterns and it's pretty cool to do that. And then you can look at new patterns and say, what is, where am I in these patterns right now? And what are my opportunities? It's, it's kind of like, again, I, I said I was born and raised in, uh, in the Midwest. In terms of, of weather, it's called Tornado Alley in, in the Midwest. Um, Iowa, Missouri, Arkansas, you get these tornadoes in the summer. And so it means that the conditions are present that make a tornado likely. It doesn't mean a tornado has to happen. It's when the moist air comes out of the south and the cool air from the north and they collide. The conditions are present. You don't have to have a tornado. Fractal time calculator means it will tell you when the conditions are present in your life for betrayal or for success or for abundance. It doesn't mean it has to happen, but these are when the, again, when the deck is, is stacked in your favor. So, so as you open the interview, we haven't seen anything like what we saw in, in 5,000 years. With the pandemic, you know, what do you see um, 
obviously I know we can change it as a collective, but what do you see happening with us? Because there's clearly a, a tornado alley there. And like you said, how it can be predictive for societies for later. Sure. Um, you know, what happens now for us? What you, I, I haven't, I haven't run the calculator for a pandemic specifically. What I'll say in general is this, we are, this is no ordinary time in human history. And I, you don't need the science to know that. that right. <laughs> we got a lot of pushback on this a few years ago because people said, what do you mean? Everything looks great. They, they couldn't see the undercurrents of what was happening. Yeah. Uh, but what, what defines our time, we're living a rare convergence of three massive cycles that we're rarely taught about. One of those cycles we hear about from a skewed perspective, and that is climate. We are living a climate cycle. If there were no humans on Earth, we would still be living a climate cycle. As a geologist, you know, humans have always been here, have only been here for 200,000 years. You go back into the ice cores, you can go back uh, 800,000 years to the ice cores, and you can see the natural rhythms and cycles of the warming and the cooling and the ice and the CO2. We are contributing through industry, and we need to stop burning fossil fuels. And we have had the technology that allows us to do that for 70 years that has not been shared. And there's a whole, it's, it's beginning to yeah. become very apparent now that there are technologies that will allow us to stop burning fossil fuels. So, so climate is one cycle in and of itself. That would be enough to change the way we live and how we migrate, trade patterns, all those things. We're also living an economic cycle. Uh, and it is an economic economists watching this. They know all about the Kondraty of cycles. I think the economists are very familiar with those. We're living a convergence of, uh, of, of that cycle. And we're, we're not allowing our leaders are not allowing the cycle to play out. They're intervening, uh, short circuiting this cycle, making things worse. So we are living a convergence of those two cycles. The third cycle when I spoke with the United Nations uh, with Bruce at the United Nations with Bruce Lipton, they were surprised by the third cycle because the third cycle is a cycle of human conflict. And they said, what do you mean a cycle? Isn't it spontaneous? Doesn't it just happen when it happens? It, it certainly may, but it's very clear when you look at the great wars and the great endings of uh, the endings of the great wars in the past, very, very clear rhythms that are directly linked to magnetic fields of the earth and of the sun uh, that we know the magnetic fields, they influence our heart. We, they influence heart rate variability. They influence blood pressure. They influence uh, the, so here, here's the formula. The higher the magnetics of our planet, the more cooperative and the less aggressive we become the more willing we are to work together to solve our problems, the lower the magnetics, all those things are reversed. And Probably they're low no, now. No surprise, we are at the lowest point now than we have been in, in this cycle. But there's a beauty to this, and this is why we share this United Nations, because it's also the greatest opportunity for peace. If you are aware that you are vulnerable to conflict in this cycle, then you consciously, you make the extra effort. You you extend the olive branch of peace. You become a really good listener to the person, mm -hmm. really listen to what they're saying and their concerns. I mean, bring it back to how you're, you being electrocuted, you had to do different, you had to overdo it in other areas. And now you, ironically, <laughs> guess, you're yeah. because of it. No, but I think that there's something there, like, because we know we're in this low magnetic field and it's going to make us 
more aggressive. We, we know that now if we work harder to combat that during this of worst times, yeah, I could see where that would be, actually be a benefit. Absolutely. You know, the end of World War II was, uh, was at when in exactly in one of these cycles when it began to, to peak. They don't last. They don't last forever. They are periodic. So the fact that we are living the convergence of all three of these climate, economy, conflict, it's like a perfect storm that gives us the opportunity for uh, to recognize in our world what works and doesn't work. The only things breaking down right now are the unsustainable ways of thinking and living. And you're seeing a lot of breakdown because we are the product of a world that is largely unsustainable. We're living this little window of time where we have the opportunity, this rare and precious moment of time to rethink and redo what it is that we've done in the past uh, to to build the new world emerging. There is a new world that's emerging. It's not here yet. We're building it right now. The question is, as we go through this shift, we're in it right now. The only way out of it is to go through it. Are we going to go through it with a soft landing or are we going to come through with a harder landing? It is determined by whether or not those choices are made of fear and greed uh, and uh, and anger and hate and lust or are those choices being made recognizing the the potential that we have as as a species as civilization to to do this differently and to do it in a really good way and we're we're choosing that answer right now and both both there's two worlds emerging okay kelsey part one part one uh okay now you know why you have heartache no, it's it's so funny. I loved this, Kev, because our last interview with him, he talked a little bit about this, but he went super in-depth, and I'm so grateful. The entire time I was like, whoa, 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 because I think that it's something that we don't talk about. Your heart, like your, the fact that your heart can actually store trauma and you have to heal that separately of your mind, I just think that that's fascinating, and it makes so much sense, and I'm in. I'm like, I want to release my neuropeptides. Yeah, and I heal think, my heart. And you know what? I think that because um, we really put them to task, you know, I, I, that's <laughs> kind of my style yeah. is not yeah. to focus on one thing I probably should. But I, I always feel when I do these, I want to grab as much out of these people's There's times very limited. So I'm always acting like, hey, I got to get everything I need. So I tried to get as much out of them as I could based on the past research I did on him. Yeah. But what I'd like to know is really how we release the neuropeptides. And we know talk therapy is not is a good kind of intro, but I think it's through subconscious and unconscious types of therapies. So yes. it might be worth Googling, how do I release neuropeptides in my heart and see what comes up until that's we get so, them back. Yeah, that's so funny. Cause that's literally, I have written down, my, my question was exactly that. And he was going, so I don't want to jump in and like break his, yeah. his stream, his flow. But I do think, and I agree with you, Kev, I actually wrote down like the ayahuasca is that like the Maybe, hip, right. hypnosis sort of, I was like, does it need to be that deep or can it be a really good somatic therapist or like Tammy Valicente, the EMDR? I don't know. So yeah, I think we should have him back on to talk about that. Absolutely. But I think it is those deeper that like get to the tissue, like the tapping. That and sort I of think stuff. there's something to be said too for cycles. Mm hmm. You know what he said about you know the nature of fractal time, which I recommend picking up his book because I or going to his website, yeah. which we'll have in the notes, because um, I love the idea that there's an actual formula that if you can think of one time 
in your life um, where something really amazing happened or something really terrible happened, you can actually um, put it into a calculator to see when it's going to kind of repeat itself and the ramifications. And I've heard that like Dr. Ida Kendall always had said that too. I think it was 11 mm. year and 12, 21 year periods. Certain traumas will revisit themselves and they don't have to be in the same extreme degrees, but they'll come back up. Um, well, and until you heal, right. It's like until you heal the patterns, well, even what he's, Mark what he's, talked about that. That's right. So what he's saying is if you can understand these cycles and know they're coming, then you can, you can have the cold air coming from the North and the hot air from the <laughs> South, but you don't necessarily have to have a tornado. Right. right. So, so, so by knowing these things, so when you study fractal time and cycles, um, I found that to be very interesting too. And I want to go a little deeper on that too and, and start inputting, you know, moments in our lives where we had these big impact moments. And then, you know, looking at a calculator to see how it all mm -hmm. lined up after and how maybe it's going to line up in the future yeah. as well. And I think that um, pandemic certainly was a big, you know, fracture, fracture for everybody. So now what's going to come out of it is something else. Okay, well, Kelsey. With that, um, we're going to tease part two. Mm -hmm. What do we talk about? What are we going to talk about in part two? Part two, we're talking about how we are all connected. The universe is alive. We talk about evolution. He talks about um, how evolution's brain. maybe how he refutes Darwin, Charles yeah. Darwin, as yeah. well as the theory of evolution, which I found fascinating. Fascinating. Maybe we don't, I mean, we could very well either come. It could be religious, where, where we came from, or it could be alien, but <laughs> it's not necessarily from Cro-Magnon Man, as we've been led to believe, mm -hmm. which I, and he has the scientific evidence to back that up. Yeah, that was nuts. That, that it may not be that, you know, so. Yeah, he dives a lot into technology, too, and kind of, like, understanding like what it he, he says what it means to be fully human. You're less likely to give yourself away to technology when you embrace being fully human. He goes into that. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Deep. Very deep. Okay, you guys. Uh, until then, what do you guys say on the on Hill Squad, Kelsey? <laughs> we say, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. Soft smile, peace signs as well. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.